has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Cancer, arthritis, and other diseases occur in animals just like humans. For example, the treatment of chronic pain in dogs and cats is leading to the development of drugs called monoclonal antibodies for controlling their osteoarthritis. Although not a pet, elephants suffer from similar medical conditions, and the story of captive elephants is far less encouraging than it is for our pets. This is a tragic situation for one of the most sensitive animals, and certainly among the brightest. Scientists even wonder whether elephants feel emotion because they're interested in bones of their own kind and often come to the aid of each other at death. Elephants in captivity develop painful toe infections and crippling arthritis of the wrists and ankles. Some are so arthritic that they can't even get up after lying down. Living conditions in zoos and circuses lead to the pain and suffering often hidden from the public. Fortunately, the Performing Animal Welfare Society, known as PAWS, cares about elephant conservation. They've created sanctuaries for elephant rehabilitation, where their pain can be addressed and lives restored. Catherine Doyle joins us once again. She's the Director of Science, Research, and Advocacy for PAWS. She'll discuss what life is really like for elephants in zoos and circuses, and what PAWS is doing to improve the life of captive elephants. Dr. Jackie Guy, Director of Veterinary Services for PAWS, then shares how she detects pain in elephants and some surprising methods of treating it. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, St. Jude Medical, Bioness, Boston Scientific, and Nuvectra. For cutting-edge treatments and ways to manage pain, please sign up for weekly emails at paulchristomd.com. Catherine Doyle has had 15 years of experience dealing with captive elephants. Catherine, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Last time, we talked about the sanctuaries that PAWS has created for elephants whose lives in captive settings, that is, zoos and circuses, are marred by painful conditions related to arthritis and infected toes. Stepping back, and given that they suffer from these conditions in captivity, and that we know that they need large spaces in order to thrive, should they even be kept in captivity? It's really a matter of trying to put a round peg in a square hole. Elephants just don't do well in captivity, and they don't belong there. And aside from even the foot and joint problems, you know, there, we're also seeing problems with, uh, you know, reproduction and birth complications and, you know, aberrant behaviors. They're in an environment that's really the polar opposite of what they're adapted for living in these, you know, large spaces mm-hmm. where they're constantly moving. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. Now, we've talked about these repetitive behaviors, but if elephants are in pain, do they act out and become aggressive? Um, they can. Yeah, I mean, some of the things we do see, um, hyperaggression 
an elephant. Mm-hmm. We see elephants killing their infants, which is something that's completely unheard of in the wild. Um, same thing with the you know repetitive behaviors; those are unseen in the wild. Yeah. Seen, you know, elephants have killed their keepers who've been with them for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But I also do think there's an element of learned helplessness. You have these elephants who are self-aware. They know what their situation is. They know what's going on. And they know with the idea of learned helplessness that no matter what they do, it's not going to change. Yeah, I mean, that's terrible. And I think we see that in other animals in captivity. Now let's talk about what's happening in circuses. Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, for example, have ended their elephant acts. Why? Um, well, not only has Ringling Brothers ended its elephant acts, it's closed down altogether now. Mm-hmm. But when ending the elephant acts, the circus cited um, changing public tastes. Yeah. And I really believe that times are just changing and people are more sensitive to these issues. And so certainly, yeah, that, would affect, that affects circuses. Mm-hmm. I think uh, sensitivities have changed today. What was happening to elephants in circuses? In addition to the space issues, because they're always kept in, like, they're going to be in small pens, or they were, they're traveling in, you know, trucks and training cars. They're also chained during that time. There are some reports of elephants being chained 18 or more hours a day. Mm. And that also physically affects them, affects their health. Draining against chains can cause problems with the joints. Of course, again, you not being able to move is going to cause problems with the feet. Mm-hmm. So you have these elephants that were, you know, traveling throughout the country. And there still are a lot of elephants traveling um, with circuses throughout the country. They're going to be traveling, so that means they're chained, you know, in trucks. Once they're at a venue, they're going to be chained in a small area. And then, of course, they're being trained to perform with cruel methods. Now, let's talk about those cruel methods. And let's specifically talk about the ankus, known as the bull hook that's used to train circus elephants and elephants in other settings. What is that exactly? It's a weapon, and it resembles a fireplace poker. So you picture a rod with a sharpened steel tip and hook at the end, Mm -hmm. and the bull hook is used to dominate and control elephants through pain and fear. And even though an elephant's skin is thick, it's very sensitive, especially in certain areas of the body, say the trunk, around the mouth, ears, around the feet. And um, in fact, elephants can feel the bite of an insect. Mm. They use a bull hook to strike the elephants, or they're going to use the tip or the hook end to dig into sensitive areas of their bodies. In circuses, there's accounts of elephants dripping blood from bull hook wounds. And there are still zoos that are using bull hooks, too. And really, anytime you see someone in direct contact with an elephant, that person's going to be carrying a bull hook. And now you're not going to see it used in front of you. Really, the worst training goes on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, where the public doesn't see it because they want to ensure that once the elephant is in front of the public, the elephant's going to respond on cue and every time. Right. Elephants will even respond to just seeing the bull hook. If, if a um, handler, you know, lifts the bull hook, you know, a certain way, the elephant will respond to it. That's how powerful it is. That's so sad. And Catherine, what can be used instead of the bullhook? There is a more progressive, modern method that we use at the Paw Sanctuary. A lot of zoos are using now, and uh, it's called protected contact. Mm-hmm. And it relies on positive reinforcement training and having a protective barrier between the keeper and the elephant. So this way, the keeper is protected from harm, and the elephant has autonomy. The elephant can choose to participate in a training session or leave at any time. Now, we find our elephants eagerly engage in their own care. Of course, they are um, given food rewards for mm-hmm. doing so. Mm-hmm. You know, we're able to do everything you know, we need to do with the elephants, husbandry activities, you know, such as checking their feet or veterinary examinations and procedures like drawing blood, 
all of that can be done in using this method of protected contact. Wow, I mean, that seems pretty safe and even more effective. Catherine, will we see fewer elephants in circuses and zoos in the future? Probably in Europe, yeah, definitely in circuses we'll see reduction. If you're talking about kind of the West, that we're going to see these changes. Um, in Africa, you really don't see elephants in zoos, maybe South Africa, but yeah, that's not common. Mm -hmm. And then in Asia, you still have working elephants, but times are changing there as well. There are fewer elephants uh, used, say, for logging. There are still elephants being used, say, in religious processions Mm -hmm. and for those purposes, but I'm even seeing now there's, in India, for example, uh, you're seeing a lot of opposition to the use of those elephants, and actually there's um, a film called Gods and Shackles that is really exposes the cruelty and the suffering that goes on with those elephants. And finally, what's important for us to remember about elephants? Well, I think it's important to remember that elephants are self-aware, sentient beings who really deserve our utmost respect and protection, both in captivity and in the wild. Mm -hmm. The only way to truly ensure their existence on this planet for generations to come is to protect them where they naturally live and to preserve their habitats. And at the same time, of course, and you're conserving other flora and fauna as well. But um, without conserving habitats and protecting elephants where they live, it's going to be very difficult to have them together with us on this planet. Well said. Catherine Doyle, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Straight ahead, Dr. Jackie Guy, Director of Veterinary Services for PAWS. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, the global leader in evidence-based and drug-free chronic pain technologies. We are here to help patients get back their independence. Bioness, a leading provider of solution-driven medical devices and rehabilitation technologies that provide functional and therapeutic benefits for individuals affected by pain and central nervous system disorders. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Dr. Jackie Guy is the Director of Veterinary Services for the Performing Animal Welfare Society, known as PAWS. Dr. Guy, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Hi, Dr. Christo. It's a pleasure to be here. On our last show, we talked about painful conditions that elephants develop in captivity, namely arthritis in the wrists and ankles mainly, and also infected toes. Now let's talk about some of the medicines that are used to help treat pain in elephants. And, you know, interestingly, I wonder, do you ever need to do general anesthesia on an elephant? Absolutely, yeah. There's a gigantic, ginormous endotracheal tube uh-huh. that is inserted just like any other animal, it's, it's quite a job to do it. Mm-hmm. And any general anesthesia of an elephant is a very, very serious, serious thing that, that is not done unless it's absolutely necessary. It requires a small army of people that are very, very well trained, very highly experienced. And we do have some friends in uh, other institutions that have that experience and have helped us out tremendously when we've needed to do that. Wow, as an anesthesiologist, I'd love to see that. You mentioned uh, earlier that general anesthesia is rarely performed in elephants, and when you do need to do it, that it's often to extract teeth. Now let's delve into pain medicines. We did a show on horses and talked about anti-inflammatories that can ease pain in them. What about in elephants? There are a couple of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. One is phenylbutazone. The other one is flunixin megalamine or also known as banamine, mm-hmm. and those are really commonly used in horses as well. I right. Think for some of the 
analgesia that we use in elephants is based on equine medicine, as an example. Those would be a couple of the drugs that we would reach for first. Mm -hmm. Both of those medications are available um, in both an oral paste form or in an injectable form. And in the case of an oral medication, you can take an apple and take an apple core, Mm -hmm. core the apple out, squirt that paste right in the center, pop the the, uh, cap back on the apple, (laughs) and feed it to your elephant, and they'll take it. You have to get creative sometimes in hiding your medication. Mm -hmm. And again, if you have an elephant that's in a lot of pain um, and not eating, then you you need to resort to injections. Yeah, now tell us about the injections. How do you get an injection of an anti-inflammatory, for example, into an elephant? What I like to do is connect it to a very long extension Set, which is basically IV tubing mm-hmm. that goes from the syringe uh, about three to four feet to a big long needle, which we stick in the elephant. And then that way, the tubing allows the elephant to move a little bit yeah. um, without dislodging the needle before the injection goes in. Jackie, do you place the injection into a muscle, intramuscularly that is, or into a vein? It's into a muscle, yeah. Although you can give an, an intravenous injection to an elephant, um, but generally... The pain medications are given um, into a muscle. Now, let me ask you, how large are the needles? Sometimes we're using a three and a half inch um, spinal needle. Mm. You have to think about scale here. So to us, it looks scary, but it's actually quite an appropriate length. When you consider that in a lot of spots of their body, their skin is two inches thick. If you're giving an intramuscular injection, you've got to get past the skin and into the muscle to deliver the drug. Now, how about opioids? Do you use those for elephant pain? Not as frequently as the NSAIDs are. I typically do not use those medications on elephants. I I have not found them to be... um, as efficacious Mm -hmm. as some of the other drugs. Currently, we don't use the true opioids for analgesia. We can use them for general anesthesia Mm -hmm. as part of the protocol. Many veterinarians have been experimenting with tramadol, which is a synthetic opioid. Right. And I, you know, I'm not convinced that it's terribly helpful. You know, it's something that's definitely being studied by uh, zoo veterinarians, captive wildlife veterinarians, is what are some other options that we can use to treat pain. Um, A lot of times we are pioneers with a certain species Mm -hmm. using a drug. We might be the first ones to try this drug on this species. So it's a pretty tight-knit community, and we do share information. There are many, many people working on that right now, different um, pushing the envelope with different forms of analgesia for elephants. Now, speaking of tramadol, I do use that for patients in pain, and it can be very effective. You also mentioned alternatives. What about topical anesthetics or analgesics? I mean, the skin of elephants is pretty thick, but it's very sensitive. Because of the thickness of their skin, Mm -hmm. it's pretty difficult to get any drug to penetrate. And so that said, though, I have used DMSO, which is a, a vehicle that you can use to apply over a joint and put something in the DMSO if it's an antibiotic or another medication within that, and the DMSO carries it through the skin and presumably into the deeper tissues of the body. But I certainly will pull out every tool in my toolbox when I have a painful elephant. So there are um, some equine liniments that are made 
that um, are rubbed into you know horse joints, let's mm-hmm. say after a race or after um, working, right. that will decrease inflammation. Things like arnica and you know herbal remedies like that are mixed in these liniments. So I've used those before, sure. And you know, if you think about it, uh, just the act of applying the liniment and rubbing that joint and and providing that that sort of almost massage therapy to the joint may be beneficial as well. Right. We've got a break coming up. Afterwards, though, we'll find out what happens to elephants if they fracture their bones. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Be sure to look for the exclusive release of Dr. Paul Christo's new book, Aches and Gains. You'll get cutting-edge information on understanding pain, traditional and innovative treatments, and an exciting array of integrative therapies. You'll also get personal accounts of celebrities in their battle to overcome pain. Get your copy on Amazon this fall. Remember, no one is immune to pain, but together we can overcome it. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Dr. Guy, if an elephant fractures a knee, an ankle, or a wrist, what happens? Is surgery performed? (laughs) That's a great question. Surgery on elephants is particularly difficult because their skin, it does not heal very well. Mm -hmm. So we try to avoid that sort of surgery. Orthopedic surgery leads to a lot of complications in many cases. I would have to say that a major fracture of a long bone or one of the joints uh, of the legs would probably, unfortunately, end in euthanasia. You know, there are some some elephants in Asian countries that have lost limbs due to, you know, exploding grenades and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're experimenting there with prosthetic limbs and things like that, doing a lot of heroic things. And so people are pushing the envelope in that way. Wow. More and more patients are using nutritional supplements to help reduce their pain. Uh, do you use any of these type of supplements to help prevent injuries or reduce pain in elephants? Yes. As a matter of fact, we use quite a few nutritional supplements and vitamins to support our elephant's health. And glucosamine and chondroitin, that combination is commonly used. Mm-hmm. There's a powdered form that's made for horses that you can just sort of what they call top dress their feed. So you can take um, the powder and sprinkle it into the feed that they're eating. Mm-hmm. And that, we think, helps the joints. Also, MSM is another um, nutritional supplement that can be helpful, we think, to prevent arthritis or to delay its onset. So anything, any chondroprotectants like that, we are very keen on, on using and learning about. So I'm always trying to keep up on human research in that way, too. There's so many different things going on, so Mm -hmm. it's difficult to tell. But those are kind of the main standbys. Uh, Jackie, have you actually noticed a difference in the elephant's pain or their behavior after giving them these supplements? It's subtle, but I think I have. And I think early on in my veterinary career, I was a lot more skeptical about a lot of things, and I tried, you know, stopping it to see Mm -hmm. if it had an effect. And I definitely was convinced that it helped our elephants, and I've spoken with other colleagues that agree. And what do you see exactly in their behavior? I mean, is their gait improved? I think it's more of a ease of motion, a more fluid motion. When you see them in motion, they're not as 
stiff or stilted, Mm -hmm. maybe more active. We have some hills at our sanctuary that they have to go up and down, that they actually enjoy going up and down. Mm -hmm. And so watching an elephant go up a hill or down a hill, you can really tell a lot about their flexibility. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like it makes a big difference. Now, some veterinarians swear by acupuncture for horses. Is that approach ever used in elephants for their pain? In the U.S., it's not mainstream. I know that there are people using acupuncture. Um, It does take a larger needle, Mm -hmm. and it does take someone who is trained in veterinary acupuncture to really do it properly. There are many of my colleagues that are uh, attaining this training and are doing this successfully. So I look forward to seeing that modality used more often. So do I. Now, Jackie, how do you actually place an acupuncture needle in an elephant? Well, what we do is we position our elephants against our protected contact barrier. Mm -hmm. The elephant will sidle up to that wall, stand there, and we can put a ladder literally against that wall, climb up, and access all areas of the back. It's doable. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And and I know that you mentioned earlier that not only acupuncture, but chiropractic treatments can be used in elephants. Dr. Guy, is pain or chronic pain ever a reason that you have to euthanize an elephant? That is, um, that's a great question. Um, I think anytime we euthanize an elephant, any any of my colleagues have to do that is a huge, huge decision. And it is a very serious somber occasion Mm -hmm. to ponder doing this. And it's not just the pain in and of itself that would cause us to make that decision. It would be what is the underlying condition that's causing the pain? Um, Is it treatable? Usually what leads to the euthanasia of an elephant is either a catastrophic event, such as a fracture of a a long bone, Mm -hmm. or lying down and not being able to get up. That unfortunately happens when their arthritis gets to be so severe that they do finally lie down and cannot get up. Okay. We have a crane and a harness that we put around the elephant and we help her to her feet and see if the elephant can stand. Some elephants, once you get them back up on their feet with a little assistance, will run off and, and have a great day and you never see another problem for months or years. Well, now, on the other hand, if they can't, then what do you use to induce euthanasia? We would give them uh, drugs for general anesthesia so that they're not aware of the euthanasia process so that they're, you know, unconscious. Mm-hmm. And then the euthanasia solution would be given via a vein, yeah. you know, once they're under anesthesia and they pass away very gently at that point. And finally, with all of your experience and close connection to these wonderful elephants, what do you personally want to tell us about them? I'd like to tell people that um, elephants are incredibly intelligent and very deep and very sensitive and very soulful, and they're very much like we are. Mm -hmm. I think we share a lot in common in terms of our need for friendship, social structure, complexity and intellectual stimulation and compassion and sensitivity. Mm-hmm. They are as special as, as we are yeah. and smarter than we are in many cases. I want people to know how sentient and how sensitive these animals are, but also how stoic they are. And the fact is that, you know, in captivity, they are developing foot infections and arthritis at a very young age. And in many cases, 
dealing with those conditions, those chronic conditions for decades. So it's important to know that and to think about ways that we can improve the conditions in which we keep them, both physically and psychologically, to um, provide for their well-being as best we can. I think there are many improvements that have been made and many more to come. And I hope many more are just around the corner. Dr. Guy, it was so much fun having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Christo. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.